Thankful for the online audience that's tuning in. In fact, maybe many that are on vacation right now because of the holiday, you're watching in your campsite or from the comfort of being up north or something. Hey, listen, we want to welcome you as well. Thank you for participating and joining in with us. Amen? Come on, man. It's so good to know that we have church outside of church and that we're touching people's lives beyond where we're at just here in this particular auditorium. Amen. Well, hey, I just want to exhort you, like I said, just in terms of... Uh, just being free. Do you know that the Bible says, as I've already spoken of, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So are you free this morning? So are you free just in the thought of being free or are you truly free? You say, well, I don't know about that one. Are you really genuinely free? Because if we're free, it shows up looking a certain way, right? I mean, you think about it. Let's just say, for instance, there's been somebody that's been sentenced to death row. They've been uh, sentenced. They, they, they've really been spent the majority of their life in prison. And then all of a sudden, there is somebody that comes along and says, by the way, I just want you to know I want to take your guilt, your penalty, your shame. And therefore, the judge says, well, because there's somebody that's going to uh, step in your place, then I'm going to... Make sure that you don't have to spend the rest of your life in prison. And therefore, I'm also going to remove you from death row. You're exonerated. You're free. Now, do you think that that individual, upon hearing that news, do you think that they're going to say, Wow, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. How do you think that they would really act? They would be rejoicing. And the word rejoice means to brighten up. It means to leap. It means to spin around. I mean, you would almost think that they were a holy roller. They're right there in the prison. You think, they are getting fanatical. They are getting wild. They are weird, right? But what happened to you? If you receive Christ, then you are free. You've been exonerated from a life sentence to death row. Eternal separation from God. Do you get that this morning? I said you are free. You no longer have to go to hell. You are no longer sentenced to death. Amen. Now, I know some of you, that just sounds good in theory. Yes, praise the Lord. I know that's what Jesus came to do. And that's as, as far as it goes. It's about as, it is about as exciting as Thomas the Train is to me. You know how many times I've read Thomas the Train and how many times I've watched the cartoon? And my little boy comes on, and Thomas, Thomas, Thomas is, yeah, choo-choo. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm not really excited about it. I think we get into that rut when it comes to church. Yeah, I've heard about it before, yeah. Can we move on to something else? Can we move on to some heavy revelation? Can we move on to prophecy? Can we talk about the things of the incoming and the, the oh, I don't know, Right? We think that we've come to a place of that I've gotten that. Well, listen, if your dignified self gets to the point where you think that this is holy and this is proper and this is the right way to be a mature believer, I've got news for you. You're still acting like a pouty little baby. What I mean by that, I don't mean to insult you. What I'm saying is, is that when you truly are free and grow in the knowledge of what God has done for you and in you and who you are, I'm telling you what, it changes your countenance. It changes your words. It changes the look upon your face. It changes the twinkle in your eye. Come on. I still walk in the room and my wife lights up. Right, baby? Come on, you got my back on this, right? I walk in the room, she smiles, she goes, my baby's here. I walk in the room and she's like, hi, honey. 
She'll come over and say, I love you. Do you know what? It's been 17 years, and I still enjoy hearing her say that. It's been 17 years, and she still loves doing that. Man, you don't even got my back on that one, man. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When it comes to a natural relationship, she's done nothing for me to save me from hell. She's been my partner in life, and thankfully we've been able to rescue people out of hell. But that's not where my joy comes. She's a blessing from the Lord. But I'm telling you, when we find out what God has done for us, amen. It's just something that you just naturally are excited about. Think, we're going camping, right? Anybody been out camping out in the back 40 and you go there and you, you see there's this thing, it's called a pump, a water pump. Some of you probably don't even know what those things are. But they're out there in the middle of nowhere. And there's, there's this metal thing and they got this handle and you got to prime the pump, right? And you can pump several times and nothing comes out. But all of a sudden, spit, something comes out, and you're like, ah, we got it working. And you keep it going, keep it going, until you start getting water to come out, right? And you're thinking, gosh, we, we got to be at least halfway full. And you look in your bucket, and you're like, man, we're only like a quarter of the way. And you got to keep on going. You're working it, you're working it, you're working it, right? But you keep working it. And, and there's something on the inside of you that wants to rejoice and know God. And the thing about it is it seems like we come to church and we want church to be something that primes our pump. Well, Jordan, if you sing the right song. You know, this morning I noticed you started a little bit uh, off on that first song and it just ruined the whole service for me. I wish you would have let Jacqueline lead us off because when she does, she primes my pump and I really like rejoicing and worshiping God. Now, I don't say that to make fun of him or point something out. My point is this, is that we come to church looking for church to prime our pump. Why don't we stir ourselves up in what Jesus did for us before we get to church? We show up, we're like, man, I am ready to praise God. You know, the Bible says that if we don't praise Him, the rocks will cry out. Do you know there is no life in rocks? They are deader than dead. But if you don't, they will. Are you here this morning? I'm talking about freedom. I'm talking about liberty. I'm talking about knowing who we are in Him and the freedoms that we have. Now, I don't know if you are like I am. My wife has been making fun of me as of late because it seems like the older that I get, the more sappy that I become. And I start telling a story. And I start crying up here. You know, I just hate when I do that. But I've noticed that just as I've gotten older, I've respected some of my freedoms more to where even just recognizing the flag seeing where I came from, see what country I'm a part of. I know one young lady was telling me on our memorial service when we did that little video celebrating the soldiers, she said, man, that, is, that just broke me up. Well, why does it break you up? Because you realize how blessed we are to be free in this nation. Well, if just being a part of this great nation can move you, did you know that you're a part of the kingdom of God? You're ruling and reigning as a king. You're God's best. You're the apple of his eye. I'm his favorite, but he likes you too. Come on. It just stirs me up to know that God loves me. It just stirs me up that Jesus died for me. Do I need to keep on talking about this? Because I don't know that you got it yet. How many of you are believers? You've received Christ into your life. Okay. You are not going to hell. Some of you got that. I said, you're not going to hell. Now, let me, let, me just, let me inform you. You deserve it. I deserve it. 
But Jesus came and paid the price, and I'm free. Praise God. Woo! He went to hell for three days, rose from the grave. The devil thought he had him. Then on the third day, he says, hey, uh, uh, by the way, just want to let you know, I'm setting captivity free. Oh, man, come on. I'm free. Amen. So what do we come to church for? To rejoice and praise God. Listen. If, if, if nothing else, just come and bring your tithe and offering. We'll, just, we'll rejoice with you. For, I'm just messing with you. So, Anyways, praise the Lord. Are you ready to get into this message this morning? Yeah. Talking about intervention. Have you been enjoying this? Yeah. Well, we just had a little mini in, intervention there. So praise the Lord. It was good. It was free. And, and, and we'll get you out just on time as well. Praise the Lord. Well, if you remember, this is week number six of our intervention. And... Uh, Last week, we touched on a a real touchy subject just concerning current affairs. And let me just say this. As a pastor, you really blessed me because this past week, I got several calls and uh, texts and messages via Facebook and just saying, hey, pastor, thank you. You know, I know that was a tough message. You know, just appreciate your heart just to to share the truth with us. And, And I so respect and honor that simply because... You know, when it comes to those messages, it's not easy for me as a pastor. And there are those that says, you know what, I know it wasn't easy for you, but thank you nevertheless. So that really blesses me. Even those that were, were individuals that say, man, I'm kind of struggling with that whole message. I'm just struggling because I just don't know some things. And I've had individuals come to me and say, can you just help me understand some things? Because I know there's some areas that, that I'm fuzzy on. And praise God, I'm so blessed that there are people that say, well, I won't get offended, but I'll come and talk to you about those things. And so once again, thank you so much for being such an awesome church. And God is going to continue to use you guys in such a great way. Amen? Amen. Amen. And obviously there are still those that, you know, will get on soapboxes. Well, we love them anyways. We love them too. They can keep coming back to church. It's all right. (laughs) Amen. So obviously it's not always easy to talk about those things, but we have to nevertheless, right? Amen. Well, in... Intervention, we said that the definition of intervention was simply trying to begin to help individuals that are struggling. And we said first, or the first part of the definition is that it's from an individual, whether it be a friend or family members, that's trying to intervene in the life of somebody that is struggling. But the second part of it is this. It says the intervention is to help take the focus off the struggling individual and notes the need for the entire family unit to change in an effort for everyone who is involved to get healthy. Now, when you look at that, when you begin to look at that definition, there is something that really is striking in that statement because that statement is really a statement of faith. Because what it says is that when it comes to having an intervention, it is not about focusing on the struggle or the problem or the difficulty that the person is going through, but it's in turn looking at the solution. Did you hear me? I said it's not looking at the struggle or the person that is struggling or the problem at hand, but it is looking beyond the problem, the struggle, or the issue at hand and looking to the solution as to how the solution produces a healthy environment and for the entire family to get healthy and whole. Does that make sense? So in the life of an individual that is following Christ, that's what we're always purposing to do. We're always looking beyond what we see in the natural. Obviously, we've been talking about being free. Well, if I'm free, that means I'm looking beyond the current situation that I might be facing. Amen. You know, we might be struggling in this or that area. Everybody has a struggle. Anybody in here don't have struggles? 
And you struggle with lying, so just again, I'm glad nobody raised their hand in here. That's good. Praise the Lord. And so again, we just want you to know that it's all right to have struggles, but there is a solution to the struggles that we face. And therefore, we can purpose to live a life of faith, to trust God. But let me ask you this. When it comes to having an intervention in our life, whatever it might be, when we're going through a struggle and there's something that we're dealing with, is it easier... To look at something that is good, or is it easier to look at the thing that is bad? Well, since you're not participating this morning with me, it's always easier to focus on the negative, isn't it? I mean, obviously, there is the positive, there is the potential answer, there is the possibility for this thing to turn around, but right now, all I see is that which is bad. All it is that I see is the thing that I'm going through, the struggle, the the, the pressure, uh, the issue that just seems to be so big in my life. Can you relate this morning? Those are the things that are so easy for us to grab hold of or to focus on, but God doesn't desire for us to focus on those things. God created or developed or put in place the greatest intervention that there ever was for us to be totally free. And the unfortunate thing is, is that, you know, we we talk about God as though he's a good guy. You know, we even say, well, God, he's big. He's, He's bigger than all the stuff we face. Heard one minister say it this way. He said, you know, he recognized that we talked about that. I said, well, God is bigger. And he said, I purpose to look that up or find out in the Bible if it talks about God being bigger. And he says, you know what? I never found one place where it says that God's bigger. He said, but what I did find is that it says that God is greater. God is greater than any struggle, any situation, anything that we face in life. God is greater. And God desires for us to see his greatness and how much he desires to love us and intervene. He desires for us to see his faithfulness. He desires for us to know how much he loves us. But the enemy is so good at distracting our attention to the solution and keeps helping us focus on the problem. Is anybody here this morning? Now, once again, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm no different than you. It's real easy to look at what you're going through. It's real easy to be focused on the things that you're dealing with. But God says, I've got a solution. So as a result, what happens? As a result, the devil, the father of lives, creates a distorted view of God. Rather than us seeing God as the great God that he is, the God that loves us, the devil in turn starts to paint the picture of how bad things are, how bad we've messed up, and then he starts telling us about God. And his view or his explanation of God is that God is hard, God is mean, God is angry, God is mad, God is a big old prude, and he doesn't want us to have any fun. In fact, God is nothing more than rules and regulations, right? Anybody ever felt that way in church? You feel the pressure of life. You feel the struggles of life. And you come into church and you feel as though church is nothing but rules and regulations. And how am I ever going to measure up to that? Because look at all the junk that I have in my life. Well, what happens when we, th- when we see things from the per- perspective or the perception of rules and regulations? We rebel or we push back, don't we? I mean, I've got little kids... I've got an 8-year-old, 6-year-old, and a 3-year-old, and I can tell them, don't go past that tree out in the front yard. That is the limit. Don't go any further. If I see you beyond that tree, you're going to get in trouble. 
Do you know the first thing that they do is they go right out there by that tree. They get as close to the line of that tree as they possibly can. Did I have to tell them to do that? No. They just went out there to do it. Right? Now, I don't want you to raise your hands because I know that you might get in trouble for lying on this one. But if you're driving down the road and the speed limit sign says 55, how fast are you driving? (laughs) Exactly. If it says 70, how fast are you going? 75, 80, right? We always push it and we justify it. But whenever there is something that opposes us in the form of a rule or regulation, we will always buck against it or always push back against it. And for those of you that answered me, then it sounds like you're a whole lot like somebody else I know. He rebelled and they kicked him out of heaven. So I'm just saying, you know, didn't, you know. anyways. <laughs> All right, we won't get into that. Praise the Lord. Well, when it comes to just wanting you to get healthy in the terms of God's desire for us as a church to be strong, healthy, and whole, and grow together, we've got to see things the right way. If you go to the doctor and you're saying, Doctor, I've got this problem, this situation, this thing that I'm dealing with in my life. And so the doctor comes back and he says, Well, here's the prognosis. And here's what you need to do in order to get your life back on track. Here's what you need to do to to, to fix this problem, here's what we need to do to address the struggle that you're going through. You need to stop eating all that kind of junk food. You need to uh, stop uh, getting angry. You need to get your stress level down. He tells you some things that you need to do or things that you need to stop doing. And I don't think that there's one person in here. In fact, let me, I'm going I'm to make it personal because I know uh, Miss Sharon over here. Uh, she's been having some uh, uh, personal uh, uh, things that she's dealing with in her body. And so she's went to the doctor and the doctor says, well, this is what we need to do. And in talking with her, she never once told me that she fell down, uh, fell down on the floor, kicking and screaming and pouting and saying, I can't believe that you're telling me I got to do this. She never pouted. She never cried. She never, she never got indignant saying, I just can't believe the doctor is telling me I got to do this. Can you believe that? Or their doctor says to you, you need to cut back on your diet. Or whatever it might be on the natural sense of him wanting you to get healthy. We don't sit there and have a fit because all of a sudden there's some things that was given to us as instruction to do. We don't say, well, doctor, you've given me all these rules and regulations. And I just think you are so religious and so hard. I'm never coming back to you as a doctor. Well, you know that his desire is to get you healthy and whole. Can I hear somebody say amen? Amen. All right, well, do you think that God knows a thing or two about your welfare? Do you think that God knows a thing or two about you having a life of freedom and liberty and success? I mean, he gave his very best so that you could. But yet we push back and say, well, God, isn't there something better? No, he gave us his best. But let let, let me bring this to your attention. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Now, it goes on to give us some other ones, and we're going to look there. In fact, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Galatians, that would get you a head start. Galatians chapter 5. But it goes on to say, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those are the first three that it mentions. Just those first three expresses to me freedom, love, joy, and peace. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, in verses 8 through 10, 
This is what it says. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Now let's stop there for just a moment. Now the Bible says, You were once darkness, but now you're in the light, or you are of the light. So it's speaking to you as before you were walking with God or walking with Christ. You were in darkness. But upon receiving Christ, God translated you over into the kingdom of His dear Son, over in the kingdom of His love and the kingdom of light, and therefore you're walking in the light of God. But notice what it goes on to say here, or what it said to us, walk as children in the light. Did you notice it didn't say walk as people in the light? Walk as Christians in the light? Walk as believers in the light? Or walk as adults in the light? No, he says, walk as children in the light. What do children need? Children need direction. Children need to be instructed. Children need to be taught. And so just as we began this whole series talking about as we become believers in Christ, there is a growth process, there is a learning, and there is a developing, right? But then it goes on to say here, For the fruit, verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now stop there. The fruit of the Spirit. Remember we said that the fruit of the Spirit is first three, love, joy, peace. In those you find freedom. And he said this, the fruit of the Spirit is all, help me out, goodness. It didn't say all badness. It didn't say all hardship, all meanness, all dictatorship. It says that the fruit of the Spirit, what comes from God, is in all goodness. So God is not up there saying, hey, listen, I'm I'm giving you some instruction. I'm intervening in your life so that you just can't have any fun. I'm intervening in your life so that life is hard. I'm intervening in your life because I want to rule you and and govern over you like a dictator. No, he says, everything that God has come to give us is in all goodness, in righteousness, in truth. Righteousness is right standing with God. And then in truth. And then the last part of that verse says in verse 10, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. So once again, it's important for us to be students or be those children that will say, God, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want you to help me because in this life, I have experienced a whole lot of struggle and I don't want to struggle anymore. Can anybody say, I want that kind of freedom? I want to be free. I don't want to have to go through the struggles of life. Does that mean that struggles won't come knocking on your door? Sure they will. But how are you going to address them? How will you respond to them? We can respond to them from a position of being free. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Let's begin to look at this fruit of the Spirit. But to get us in perspective or to bring it into context, let's begin with verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Let's stop there for a moment. Notice it says this. We walk in the Spirit, or if we walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the Spirit and the flesh war against one another. 
Now, what does that mean? It means that your flesh, your natural man, has some struggles, has some cravings, has some desires, has some things that it wants to do, but your spirit, your heart, the real you on the inside also has some desires, and they're always working against one another. Does that make sense? So, Saturday night, you're saying, I can't wait to get to church. I know Jacqueline is going to be leading worship, and man, I am just going to have fun worshiping God. The pastor's going to bring a message, and I'm going to hear God speaking to me. I'm so excited about tomorrow. And then you wake up in the morning, and your flesh starts talking to you. Well, last night, my spirit was saying, I can't wait for church. But in the morning, my flesh says, I want to sleep in. Do you see the war, the struggle? You're in the afternoon, and you think, man, I can't wait till tonight. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to have a good dinner, and I'm going to spend some time reading my Bible. This is going to be a good time. That's your heart, your spirit man talking. It has a desire. And then you get home, you have your meal, and you think, man, I worked hard today, and I'm extremely tired. And the last thing that I want to do right now is, is read my Bible, so I'll just go watch TV. Now your spirit and your flesh are warring against or contrary to one another. Does anybody experience that in your life? How do you experience it, like, every day? Sure we do. There's always going to be this contrast or battling between our spirit and our soul, or excuse me, and our flesh. But then it goes on to say, in verse 18, But if we are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewd, lewdness, uh, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." There is a constant battle that is going on in our life. Your flesh wants to do its own thing, and your heart or the real you, the spirit man that Jesus came to save, is wanting to also serve and worship God. But here's where we end up getting into conflict here. Because over the years, in church, we start having this dialogue... And we start talking about how good God is and how He wants us to experience life and how He wants to get involved in our life. But then all of a sudden we give this list of do's and don'ts. Rules and regulations, right? Well, if you're really going to be a good Christian, well, bless the Lord, you better not cut your hair, ladies. Remember, I don't know if anybody's from that background. Can't cut your hair, you've got to let your hair grow. Hairs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Or, you know, if you're going to be a good godly woman, you've got to wear a skirt. You can't ever wear pants. You fellas, you fellas, you can't wear earrings hanging from your ears or your nose or whatever else. You've got to, no tattoos, that is absolutely a taboo, right? Or, you know what, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't date girls who do, you know, all that. We, we, we find ourselves getting into this ideal of rules and regulations, and therefore we find ourselves rebelling, pushing back against the rules, because it's all about, well, God, you tell me I can't. 
And what does the enemy do? He starts to divert our attention. Well, God, you're hard, you're mean, you're angry, you're a prude, and nothing that we just read ever said anything about that, but that's what the focus has been on. In turn, what did he say? He said, walk in the Spirit. Remember we said an intervention is not focusing on the problem, but looking at the solution. What's the solution? Walk in the Spirit. What's that? Love, joy, peace. And if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you seeing the intervention here? Because once again, man has come in and said, it's about the do's and the don'ts, and if you don't, God's pleased with you. But God just says, why don't you just walk in the Spirit and walk in my love, walk in my peace, walk in my joy, and you won't even have the want to to worry about that stuff over there. Are you seeing where religion has caused us to rebel against God? But God is wanting us to truly experience His goodness. Now, once again, let me just kind of paint a picture for you here. You know, I I talked about how there's this internal battle that's going on. I was just talking with a friend of mine, and he was telling me, a good Christian man, been married for 20-some years, and he was telling me about some things about he and his wife. Now, the reason that I'm sharing this is because there is a struggle that we all face. And if we don't tap into the life of God that he wants us to experience, we'll continue to carry that struggle around, trying to fix it in our own strength or just rebel altogether, and it messes up every area of our life. And so as he's telling me about he and his wife, he's telling me about just the lack of communication, the lack of relationship, just the lack of a marriage. And so just as a pastor, you know, I start asking some questions. And as I begin to ask some questions, then he answers those questions. And as I'm beginning to ask the questions, it's really beginning to to show up that the thing that she struggles with is trust. Trusting him as a man, trusting him as a husband. And this is a marriage that has been in existence for 20-some years. So then my next response is, or my next question is, is, has she ever been physically abused? And he says, well, he said, you know what? She has. In fact, I just found out that there was another time that she was. So in her life, she has been sexually abused. And as a result, this struggle in her life has been embedded within her. And as a result, she's carried that. And it has not allowed her to live a life of being free as a believer and being free from the condemnation, being free from the hurt. And therefore, it's affecting her marriage. And she can't trust the man of God, her husband, in her life. Do you see how the enemy wants to keep us all bound up in our lives? to not really experience the true freedom in our lives? Well, let me just take that a little step further. Again, uh, now let me just say this or just use this or, or for a moment give a disclaimer because I'm certainly not getting on a soapbox right now, but for the sake of the example and talking about how we're free and how we have bought into the counterfeit that the enemy wants to force down our throats, I want to again just use the, the example But obviously this is the 4th of July weekend and obviously when we think about the 4th of July weekend, we think about just the fun, the going to the beach, going on vacation, going out on the boat or whatever it is. All these things that we think of when it comes to the 4th of July as to how we have fun. 
But I've also taken notice of through the media, through television, through even Facebook advertisements or commercials, if you will. They run these really cool commercials of people having fun. Man, they're on the beach, and man, every single person on the beach has a beach body. And you're like, wow, I want to hang out with those kind of friends because they look good, man. And every person that you see has got a smile on their face. They're jumping off the cliffs or bungee jumping or whatever. But they're all doing it with the bud in the hand. I'm sorry, Bud Light, which I don't know. What's my point? My point is, is that the marketing tool is you can have fun with our product. This will help you have fun. This is a part of just the festivities. Look at how they're laughing. Look at how they're cutting up. This will cause you to have fun. I mean, it looks so enticing. I'm thinking, man, am I, maybe I ought to go get a six-pack or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And again, I'm not getting on a soapbox about that. I'm just simply saying the marketing tells us that this thing here will help us have fun. And so therefore, as you, you begin to think about it, they, they, we, 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 we see this and we say, well, our fun and our friends, it's all associated with this. We see all the laughter. And therefore, if we'll do what we see here, if we'll partake of the substance, it will cause us to have fun. But really what we don't see is that it is a crutch to help us experience what Jesus said we could have. And that's joy. Again, don't hear me getting on a soapbox about the substance. I'm saying Jesus came that you might have joy and you don't need a crutch to have it. Or we again, we look at these commercials and we say, oh man, I just need to relax. I need to unwind. I need to relieve the pressure. Or maybe for some, says, I just need to numb the pain. And really, it's just a mask. It's a mask to cover up the lack of peace that we have in our life. And so therefore, if you'll partake of this, it will cause you to relax. But Jesus said, it's free. It'll give you peace. You can have peace of mind, peace in your body, peace in every aspect of your life. Or other individuals, they'll say, you know what? When, when I have this, I just become a whole other person. I open up. I just, I, I, I come out of my shell. I become more likable. Maybe I'll even find the love of my life if, if I just kind of let my hair down. But what it really reveals is the lack of self-esteem, of self-worth, of really your love for yourself and knowing how much you're loved. And Jesus said, I've come to pay the price that you don't need something to help you feel loved or feel worth something. I did it for you. And as a result, we take the focus off of and all that other stuff that we're talking about. The reason that, that we, we, we look at the picture is because we're seeing the struggle that we're in. We're thinking, that is the ticket. That will help me not feel. And God says, I don't want to focus on the struggle. I want you to experience the true solution of what it is to be free. Does that make sense? And once again, I'm not getting on a soapbox about that. But one of the things that I will tell you this is that most people... And I, wouldn't, I would even venture to say that 100% of the people that get caught up in that are hurt on the inside and are trying to cover up the hurt, the pain of something in their life. Just like a young lady that I said was abused, married for 20 years and still carrying the pain and the hurt on the inside. The church message isn't simply do's and don'ts. 
The Bible says, if you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. How many of you know that Jesus wants you to be, be free? He wants us to understand. God doesn't want us to, to focus in, and God is never highlighting the struggle, but Jesus and God will always point to the victory. You are victorious in Him. He said, if you'll walk in the, walk in the Spirit, you will fulfill or you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll experience the fruit of the Spirit. As a result, what do you do? You exercise faith. I said, you exercise faith. But sometimes it's real difficult to simply look beyond the present day because I'm feeling it now. But the answer is always over here. How do I get that? How do I walk in the Spirit? Do you want to know? Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace. How many of you want peace this morning? Peace in your marriage, peace in your mind, peace in your finances, peace in your body. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How is it that you keep peace? We keep our mind stayed on him. How is it then that I keep perfect joy? I keep my mind stayed on him. How is it that I have victory? How is it that I have success? I keep my mind stayed on him. Amen? Amen. All right, so turn to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Because we're going to tie this up and wrap this up with communion this morning. Because in communion, it represents everything that we are freed from, and it represents our freedoms and liberties. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. But this is speaking of Jesus, what Jesus came to do or what He would come to do. He says, Surely He has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered Him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon Him. And with the stripes that wounded Him, we are healed and made whole. All right? That is what Jesus came to do. And if our mind is stayed on the solution, not the problem, notice what takes place. He says, your griefs got to disappear. Why do we carry grief? Why do we carry depression? Because our minds are on the thing that we're struggling with, right? Why do people that are, are finding themselves depressed sleep so much because when you sleep you don't have to think right or why do people give in to substance because if i give in to substance it numbs the pain it numbs the thoughts right if i keep my mind stayed on him what he came to do he takes care of my griefs well this sickness that's going on in my body he takes care of the sickness God, I'm weak. I don't know if I can stand up against this. I don't know if I can continue because, God, this struggle that I'm going through. No, through what he came to do, he helps me through my weakness, through my distresses, through my sorrows. Anybody carrying any sorrows from years gone by? 
Anybody have that dark shadow uh, following you around everywhere you go? People look at you and they think, well, gosh, you should be happy. And they look at you and you're just as sad as, as can be. And, and they start talking to you and this is something that was way back when. You know anybody like that? I've got family members that you talk to them and they'll talk about the thing that happened. And if you, if you didn't know them, you would have swore it just happened yesterday. But it was nearly 30 years ago. They continue to carry the sorrow. If I keep my mind stayed on him, he takes the pain. He takes the guilt. Did you hear me? He takes the guilt. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know how I hurt my spouse. You don't know those things that I did, those things that I said. Okay? But is he greater? Is he greater than the greatest thing or the worst thing that you said? Yes. Is he greater than the worst thing that you did? Does he have the ability to heal the wound and take care of the struggle in your life? Yes, because he came to be the solution, the answer to the problem. He says, I'll take the guilt. I have a lack of peace. Keep your mind stayed on him and he'll give you perfect peace. And then lastly, it says that through what he came to do, the solution, he made us whole. That word whole doesn't simply mean that he fixes a couple things. It means top to bottom, inside and out, everything made right. Not just fixed, not just healed, but made whole. Are you following me? You might have, you might have, uh, you might have diabetes. Here's a good example. You might have diabetes and you've got something going on in your physical body. And you say, God, I need that to be healed. And God heals it. Maybe, maybe you've, you've got some open wounds. Maybe you're, you're getting ready to lose a foot or lose eyes because of, as, as a result of the diabetic condition you're in. And so, God, I don't want to lose my eyesight. And all of a sudden, God heals your eyes. And you're like, praise the Lord, I can see. The doctors gave me a good report. That's great. He healed your eyes. But he said he made you whole. So it's not just, I can have good eyes again. But the condition that made, that made those bad eyes in the first place, I can be whole from that. Top to bottom, inside and out. Amen. See, that's the solution. That's the answer. And God wants us, the whole purpose of Jesus was to intervene so that we would stop looking at the struggle of life, the hardship of this life, and look to Him, the solution. Amen? Let's partake of communion today and let's keep that our focus. That he is the solution and that life was never meant to be a struggle. Now hear that right. Gentlemen, you can come on up. I didn't say that you wouldn't go through struggles. I said life didn't have to be a struggle. Guys are going to be passing these out a little bit different this week, so if you'll just help them out, it'd be make things run a lot smoother for us. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We worship you. Praise your name. God, you're good.
You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Praise your name. Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. Once you just get your, your elements, just go ahead and prepare your heart. You say, how do we prepare a heart? It is purpose to examine yourself, the Bible says. That means, Lord, I just got to ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me what I've done. Just making things right with God. Father, we worship you. Thank you, Father. In addition to preparing our hearts for the elements, there's nothing magical about these elements. But the Bible says that when we take these in faith, there's power in the act of what we do. And there's power to receive from Him all that He came to give us through just the act of faith in recognizing Him. We all stand, please. With every head bowed and every eye closed. As I said, there's power in what we're doing right now. If we do in faith, or do it in faith. Jesus said, partake of this as often as ye in remembrance of me. The Bible says that he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And so as we recognize that what he did, being the solution, right now we purpose not to focus on the struggle. You might have some things going on in your body. You might have some stresses or issues of depression, things going on in your thought life. We're not going to focus on the struggle. We're focusing on the body that was broken. And Jesus said, because my body was broken and by my stripes you are healed. So as we get ready to partake, I believe that through the power of God's word, bodies are going to begin to be touched and mended and healed. Minds are going to be restored and made whole. Simply because that's the solution to the problem and that's what we focus on and that is the answer so let's break and partake together in Jesus name thank you father thank you father thank you father thank you father Jesus also said this cup represents the 
new covenant, the covenant of my love, which is my blood being shed for you. He says, take this as often as you eat as well in remembrance. What did the blood do? The blood washed us from our sins. was the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, I know that the enemy sits on your shoulder and tells you of all the mistakes, all the things that you did wrong and all the things that you said and how you let your temper get away with you or whatever else it might be. But we're not focusing on the struggle or getting healthy and whole because Jesus came to give us an intervention. And so as we partake right now of this cup that represents the shed blood of Jesus, I believe that God's going to begin to continue to heal and mend and strengthen and renew our minds in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this intervention of what you came to do. God, we thank you that we are free, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So God, we thank you that we are more free right now than we have ever been. Not that the work was not accomplished before, but God, we're more aware of it right now. And therefore, our faith is working like never before. So we give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, Amen.